Welcome to Overcome Out Loud with Charlie Smith. Real people, real challenges, real solutions. And I have to say that I am really excited this morning to have my, uh, my next guest on. My next guest on the podcast, Overcome Out Loud, is Samantha Parker. And when I actually uh, created the idea for this podcast, Samantha was on my, my top 10 list of people to have on because of the courage uh, that she has and the resilience that she has. She's an amazing young woman. Um, who Samantha is it now five years actually I'm almost in I think what is today the 10th so in five days I hit my eight years that's right the 15th right yep. so Samantha um, eight years ago was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and and she as you know many of my guests that have been on have 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 overcome a number of different things and they've gotten to that mature age where they're able to talk about it one of the most amazing things about having you on is just at your young age, you're are you now a junior at Pepperdine? Yes. Yeah. So as a junior at Pepperdine um, and in her early teens, um, are you now 20? Yeah. Yeah. You guys now are now 20. 20. Yeah, that's weird. right. Um, <laughs> yeah. To, to be able to have the courage to come on and speak about your journey and what you've been through is just so amazing. And you've inspired me, as you know, as I've battled addiction and substance abuse and overcome that, I've always considered you to be an inspiration for me, watching you face your challenges at such a young age. And so I just really applaud you for coming on. I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your story and journey with uh, the people that listen to this podcast who, you know, the idea is to just give people a roadmap to the, to the things that successful people have done at overcoming their own challenges in their life. And for you to have faced, you know, a diagnosis of, of diabetes uh, eight years ago at the age of, at the very impressionable age of, of 12 or 13 years old. And, and to watch how you've handled that is, has been amazing. So thank you so much for your friendship and for your inspiration and for coming on this morning. Thank you for having me on. You honestly, I always say this to my parents, but you've been like a second dad. So I thank you for always being so supportive and always sending me like the most whether it's like a simple text or a card or anything, but you always are my number one fan and cheerleader. And so I look up to you more than you'll ever know. But um, yeah, no, I'm super excited. I could come on today though. And yeah, share we're, we're warriors. And, and before we get into your, your story a little bit, um, tell me how has, you know, I think this, this COVID pandemic has been really challenging for so many people. And, and with you now, um, you know, in college and having to uh -huh. adapt. How, how, how has this been for you and for your friends? And how have you drawn on some of the mindset that you've had around, you know, dealing with the obstacle of, of your diagnosis of diabetes to kind of get you through this? Um, okay. So it's actually been interesting, I think, because the last, I'd say probably the start of quarantine was hard because obviously for those who are immunocompromised, it's, definitely like scary because you don't know how it's going to affect you. And obviously still being 20, there's times that I think I'm invincible as my parents like to say, or don't really recognize the severity of what can happen. And especially dealing with the disease normally with type one diabetes, when you're with your friends, you're not really worried about if your numbers are high or you, I mean, I'm on it and I like pay attention to it, but it doesn't take away from like my daily life or I don't, just focus solely on it because I'm with people I love or I'm doing something fun. So I'm not always just mind consumed by that. But I think it was hard because in the start of quarantine, I mean, we were just at home. There's nowhere to go, nothing to do. So anytime my blood sugar went high, like my first thing I would do was attend to that. So I'd go on a walk, try to lower it, take my insulin. So it was like every single minute, my mind was constantly being centered around diabetes, what my number is, because I wasn't able to do things that kind of like take my mind off of it. Right. Other than work out, I'm with my family. But regardless, it's kind of hard when you're just sitting there. And if you see your number going high or your number's low, I mean, I'm not going to neglect it. So I'm like constantly attending to that. Um, so I'd say the beginning was just a definitely hard because it was a little... It's actually pretty eye-opening, I'd say, because it kind of also made me realize what I want to do for my future career because I spent so much time dealing with the mental side of diabetes during COVID that I realized there is a very big gap with people knowing how it affects you mentally and like not in a negative way, but just constantly having to have it on your mind. So it definitely had pros because it made me realize a lot of things like what I want to do in life. I'm trying to do, um, get my LMFT 
and, and work with type one diabetics and uh, the mental side of it, and then use undergrad and sports med for that. Um, but then it also has a very harsh effect because I'm not going to lie, like the past even like two weeks has been pretty brutal because diabetes, for those of you who don't know, but it, it's majorly affected for um, girls with like hormones, it affects your blood sugars majorly. So that has had a big play on my numbers. And so just being at home and like recognizing and seeing the number pop up on my phone or my sensor says it's going high, it was like very difficult and it can be very mentally, like mentally take a big toll on you. So it's just been hard in that regard because I think it's constantly on your mind. Like it never leaves. It's a 24 seven. It's like having a, I swear, I'm always, I like joke, but it's almost like having like a, an extra pet or something because it's like, I have to pay attention to it all the time. And it, there's never like a moment where it's just not on your mind unless you're sleeping. But even then your numbers, like your, my sensor can alarm if it's high. So in the middle of the night. So it's just, it's been, it's been bittersweet. There's yeah. pros and there's cons and it's hard to necessarily find that balance, which I think has been the biggest thing for me because I have always been so normally I try to be so positive about it, but there was definitely times that just being at home and like sitting there, it definitely gets in your head. And I have to like take a step back and be like, okay, can't just focus on it solely or like let it get me down at all because it can do that if you allow it to. Oh, so. wow. Well, I think that is, um, that's a mouthful because I think as we, as we get into all of our stories, you know, the, you know, I'm a, I'm a, firm student of mental conditioning and, and the power of our mind and, and where it can take us if we let it. And, and I, I think you've talked so eloquently about what I don't think people understand is the toll that it takes on your psyche and just how you have to battle through your own thoughts around what having, you know, this diagnosis could mean. And, and so let's, let's start at the beginning. I mean, you know, um, and for, for those of you who don't know, Samantha and I share a, a you know, really a, but a, 15 year history together. I met some yeah. she was five years old. She went to school the same time as my, my youngest uh, son, Brandon and her family and, and, and my family have spent most of our adult lives, you know, watching our kids grow up. And so I've known Samantha since before diabetes and, and since now. And as she outlined, as she said, we're, we've, we've, we're kindred spirits and, and warriors in, in being resilient. And so, you know, for you, Newberry Park, your, fa your family is, is, you know, well known for, for their uh, restaurant prowess and, and, and owning mm -hmm. bandits and you yes. and your, your sister who, who went to school with my, my older daughter, Brittany, um, you know, you guys, you guys were, uh, you know, just great kids. I mean, you, you, you had a, a, a great home and, and you guys, your, your, your folks are just two of the most loving, caring people that I've ever experienced. And so for you, those, those early years just must've been free. And, and, you know, one of the things I always remember about you is your bubbly personality, your smile. And, and then, and then the, um, the, overwhelming interest in, in dance, which you had from a very young age. I mean, how old were you when you started right. dancing, sweetie? Sherry put me in at two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's go, Sherry. Yeah, I know. I'm like barely able to walk. And, and so Sabrina was, was, she was, must've been five or six. Yeah. And, and so yes. you, you guys were both in, in dance and that was something that was really special for you guys. I mean, it really, you know, as long as I've known you, you know, you guys have always been dancing. So you just took to it, you know, at the age of two and you really enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh, yes. And then it never kind of stopped. <laughs> it's always continued on. So as you went through these formative years, you know, you were, you went through, through kindergarten and early elementary school, you developed a, a group of close friends and, and, and life was just kind of happening for you. You, you, you didn't really have to face any, any real challenges besides the normal challenges of a, a, just a young lady going through, you know, school here in Newberry Park. And did you have any kind of, any kind of warning signs, Samantha, that, you know, something biologically or chemically or neurologically was, was happening with you that didn't feel uh, right? Do you mean how you mean prior to getting diagnosed yes. or like yes. a couple of years prior? Yeah. Prior to getting diagnosed. Yeah. Um, so my symptoms was that, which was probably, I'd say two months before I got diagnosed, I lost almost 15 pounds within literally, it was probably honestly a week span that that happened probably two weeks, but that I noticed, I mean, I was at school and I remember, I still, I don't know why I remember this, but 
I was at Sequoia and there was, we were all standing by the lockers and I remember somebody's like, you look really thin. And you know, at the time I was like, Oh, thanks. Like feeling good. And then, um, my mom and dad were like, yeah, you look really thin. And that was when we kind of started noticing I was losing weight. And then I was drinking probably like five cups of water a day, or I mean, sorry, like an hour. And because one of my good friends, Kendall, her mom was my teacher. So I'd go in her room and I would literally be drinking out of her little fountain thing. And I kept refilling. And then I would go to the bathroom every five minutes. I could eat probably enough for three people in one meal. And I was still hungry. And then also I was very irritable. So my mom thought I was just entering the teen years. Right, sure. My dad and my mom were like, geez, wow, they're really hitting her hard. <laughs> but really it was just because I couldn't, it was just too much to, I mean, when your blood sugars are like 200 or above, it's a constant irritation and irritability. So it was like me just lashing out kind of. And then um, I was also struggling a little in school because I was very fortunate where I normally like did pretty well in school. And this was like the first time I was like, why am I getting B's and C's? And it wasn't making sense. And um, that was kind of when I, that was like my first sign is I was like, wait, I'm like really struggling in school to concentrate. And then the, I'd say the drinking water followed, going to the bathroom and then losing weight. And then my cousin on my dad's side is, diabetic. And so my mom thought though, after 10 years old, like if we hadn't gotten it by then, then we probably would have outgrown it, like wouldn't have gotten it. Um, so, and then she kind of knew the pre-warning signs. So then I remember her saying, yeah, we're going to go in for, she said a bladder infection, which I was like, this isn't right. I don't think these are the symptoms, but, um, she said she kind of had an idea her and my dad did of what was coming. And then of course, when we went in and they told us, so those were like the pre-warning signs. And is that, it sounds like kind of a natural desire to kind of put these things off as maybe just hormones or maybe it's just stress or maybe yes. it's just adolescence. And, and so, I mean, what I hear is, is, you know, this kind of um, advice for people to really be mindful of, of these uh, early warning signs, because, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the opportunity to get diagnosed and start to treat this is really important, um, you know, as you, as you mentioned, because all those things start to play on your mind. You start thinking, what's wrong with me? You know, why aren't I able to study like I used to be? Why aren't I able to gain weight like I used to be? Why aren't I able to have the energy yeah. I used to? And so what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a big thing, because I like to think I have a pretty high pain tolerance. Sure. So I, at the time... Like I remember drinking a ton of water, but I was like, oh, it's fine. I'm just thirsty. Or that week since growing up dancing, I remember that was a week that my company had a bunch of guest choreographers come in. So from like two, I was at dance from two to nine or two to 10 that day. And that was like Monday through Thursday. So that's why I thought I was losing weight, which obviously that was progressing the weight loss. But I was like, oh, wow. Like I must just be dancing that much. I just need to eat more. Um, and, but I, I always have a pretty good gut feeling when there's something just not right. And I had just a gut feeling. I was like, mom, there's just something. My dad was like, no, it's, I think it's like, maybe it's just this. And I was like, no, there's just something wrong. And then obviously, you know how my mom is. She's very hands-on. So she of course is over there researching everything. Um, and then that's kind of why we went, we actually caught it pretty prematurely because normally you have to go to the hospital for a couple days. And I didn't have to, but um, also my doctor was, he's more of the, like, let's just address the situation, not panic and go to the hospital, more like take it one step at a time. So um, yeah, we definitely caught it prematurely, I'd say. And what for you, uh, because I'm going to share with you a story. I don't know if you know or not about, about your dad, but what was that like when you got that diagnosis? I mean, you know, I think there's a, a level of, kind of ease and comfort we get from, from kind of thinking it's not what we hope, you know, we, we kind of, it's something else, it's something else. And then when there's no denying what it is, and, and now that you, you kind of know something in your life is, 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 is going to be changed forever. I mean, what is that like for you at the age of 12, 13, you know, just a young woman kind of really just, you know, thriving and dancing and friends and all of a sudden, you know, now there's a reason all this is happening and, it, and it's diabetes. So, it's funny because middle school now doesn't, it's weird. There's parts of it that 
feel like a blur and parts of it that don't. And the parts that don't are all the parts that have to center around the diabetes because my schedule was so much of a routine from sixth grade to eighth grade or not even sixth grade. I'd say I remember sixth grade pretty vividly, but seventh grade was when I was diagnosed. So, I mean, at that point, you know, you're just with your friends, it's middle school, you're all having fun, dress, you know, going the mall. I was like that whole good having my little purse with all my little fun things in it. Um, and so going in in December, cause it was, yeah, December 15th. And it's kind of like your whole world stops because it's like, I remember going in and when she came in the room, it wasn't even my, um, normal doctor at the time. My normal doctor was Dr. Saul, but this was, uh, Dr. Kawasaki and she's awesome. But I remember coming in and being like, yeah, so your, your urine sample shows like you, uh, you're have type one diabetes and, I am a freakazoid about needles, so I cannot take shots. I used to not be able to take shots at all. Like I would be sitting there like, I'm going out of the room. I can't do it. I can't do it. So when she was sitting there and I didn't really know what to expect and I knew my cousin had it, but I didn't know what that really entailed. I just remember seeing like a couple different devices she had. Um, And so obviously I knew something was wrong because my dad came to the doctors that day and my dad's very always around, always hands-on, but I mean, the doctors normally not both parents come. So I remember when he pulled up, I was like, what, why is dad here too? And Sabrina and me and my mom, like what? Um, and I mean, I automatically like her saying it's you're diagnosed with type one diabetes. I just remember my face kind of just dropped, but it wasn't even I didn't even really know how to like comprehend it because I didn't know what that meant. I just knew that meant my life was going to probably have a little change, major change, or it's going to be like life altering and looking at my dad and him crying. And then my mom and her crying and my sister. And then I of course started crying. So I just remember in that moment, it was a very big, that was probably, I will like never get over when she said it to me because I just, my face went white. And it was kind of like silence came over the room because it's, you don't really know how to react and how to handle that. And there is no way. And I mean, for her, it's like for the doctor, they, everybody's reaction is very different to them. But I was just like, okay. in my head, like, all right. So this is just something I'll have to like learn about, get over. But I still didn't know what that entailed. And so that day was pretty rough. Um, I think seeing my parents cry was the hardest because I think that, you know, as parents, you guys always try to be the strongest support system for us and try to be the backbone. And so to watch them break down is just hard because you know, then it's going to it hit hard. And then me, I was trying, I was going to try not to cry, but of course it's inevitable because it's not something that's taken very lightly. Um, and then leaving there, I remember my, one of my best friends, Brookie, uh, Brooke McClung from probably since like our parents have known each other since before um, we were born, but I, she's has celiac. And so right after I went and hung out with her, cause we were like little autoimmune buddies. But I just remember that like probably that next week, my brain just was thinking, thinking, thinking because Sabrina had her dance show that week. And I remember I couldn't eat like any carbs. I had to eat purely just meat and vegetables. And it was like, we didn't really know what to expect. It, I was diagnosed, I think it was like a Saturday or Friday and I couldn't go until Monday to Children's Hospital. And then even going to Children's Hospital, it was a whirlwind because I was there for like six, seven hours and they're just throwing information, told me I have to take a shot every time I eat. My fear of needles, I was like, what is going on? School that week was a blur. I don't even really remember going to school. I was in and out all the time. My mom came to Sequoia at nutrition, lunchtime, after school. I have to go to the nurse's office anytime, like my blood sugar went low, nurse's office, hi, nurse's office. Like my purse was not lip gloss, a hairbrush, and perfume, and a wallet. It was needles, glucose tablets, granola bar, juice box, a meter, a backup meter, extra flex pens, like my little phone, an emergency contact list. My apologies. Oh, sorry. I couldn't hear. <laughs> um, so it was just a, it was just a very, you know, it was like I had to be an adult instantly. And right. I think my personality in general 
because all my cousins are older and my oldest cousin's like 30 in his late thirties. So I always have had to, I felt like I always tried to keep up, but this was a different kind of keep up. It wasn't like a keep up with just social life and being like, have to mature to be able to like talk about certain conversations. This was like, I felt like I jumped 20 feet ahead with what my priority was like middle school. My priority was not to go shopping at the mall anymore and have fun. It was like, okay, my health life or death, like what's going to, okay. If I take too much insulin, I could go low and then I could probably pass out and then have to go to the hospital. Or if my blood sugar is too high, I can't do this. And it X, Y, Z, it's going to hurt me later in life. So it's just ever since then, it's like my priorities just way more serious than probably the priority of somebody that's typically my age starting even in middle school like when I was 12 it was different it was probably like what an 18 year old was trying to prioritize with where they're at in life I was trying to do that and then same thing even now it's like five years ahead for me than what I would be so I think it was just those years of starting out with it was probably the best years ever as far as teaching me more than I can ever imagine but also the hardest in terms of trying to live a normal life and also my family living a normal life because I know that I still right now don't, will never comprehend what it's like as a parent to have a child that is dealing with a life altering disease because I can't even imagine, but it affected them even more so than I probably still am aware of. So yeah, it just, you, you, talked about, you talked about that. So, so, Probably that next Tuesday, you're at Children's Hospital. You were over the weekend. You got your diagnosis on Thursday. Or I think it was a Friday the 15th. Yeah. And I probably can count on one hand the number of times that I've been. You know, Bandits is usually our dinner place, our family birthday mm-hmm. celebration. I can count yeah. on one hand the number of times I've been to Bandits for lunch during the week. And for whatever reason, on that Tuesday or Wednesday, I had a business lunch at Bandits. And I remember your dad was there. And he didn't seem like his normal self. And so as my business lunch was winding down, I, I said, you know, I want to say hi to my friend. He's still here. And we sat down in a booth and your dad just broke down. And, you know, you know, as you as you as you know, your dad is, you know, it's not usually <laughs> how you see, how you see him. And, you know, what it is for parents is just that, you know, you want your kids to have this, 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 I want to say easy life, but, but you don't want them to have to face struggles. You want them to be able to just enjoy their life and, you know, to have this diagnosis and to have that fear and that worry about, you know, your, your, your youngest, you know, daughter, um, was, was evident on his face and the uncertainty was, was, you know, just kind of voluminous for him. And so just sitting with him, we just sat in a booth for, I don't know, probably another 45 minutes or so and just shared some tears and we shared some, um, some hope and, and, you know, knowing who you are and, and knowing what you are about. Um, I think it probably has been easier for you than it has been for them. If, if that makes sense to you. Um, and it sounds like it. And, you know, one of the things that that really jumps out at me, Samantha, and it's always has jumped out at me about you. And I don't think people will realize this as you're talking, but the fact that you adjusted your life immediately you know you you know i mean there's many people including myself at some points in my life that have had this victim mentality and i'm sure it went through your head at some some point why me you know oh totally and 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 what you know why why me and 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 all of the kinds of images that that conjures up and i always really encourage people that while they have those feelings to focus on the behaviors and what i just heard you describe was you went to school you went to the nurse's office, you changed what's in your purse. I mean, you got behind. And this is one of the things that is always because I know people at the age of 25, 35, 45 and 50 who want certain things in their lives. You know, like I always talk about and I draw a very close analogy between people with diabetes and, and people that suffer from addiction and, and the behaviors that go along with remaining sober and happy require a certain amount of discipline. And I, I, I coined a, a saying from a book I read called it takes what it takes the choice is an illusion you know if you want to be if you want to survive diabetes and enjoy your life you really don't have a lot of choices right i mean the choice of packing your purse with the things that you talked about the 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 choice of checking your blood sugar the the choice of you know how you eat i mean you know if you want to survive this and thrive you know you're you don't really have a choice do you no that's the biggest thing i think is that um what's interesting is i don't think i really realized the first couple of years that 
there is a population that lives with type 1 diabetes that neglects it and uses their, I mean, I would say in the last month even, I found out that people use insulin to try to commit suicide or people don't take their insulin because, which I already knew that one from it before, but they won't take their insulin because it can cause weight gain. And so they don't want to gain weight from it. So they just won't take the insulin and hope they get ketones to lose weight or they just completely won't take insulin at all because they don't want to deal with it or they just always act negative or stay in bed if their blood sugars are high. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I would say, okay, what was it? Yes. No. Two days ago, I had like a diabetes burnout day and I don't have, I would say I had them probably a lot less, not during COVID because I, you know, you're staying, you're going from place to place. So that's the one thing I would say during COVID is that you have a lot more of it because I feel like you're paying so much more attention to it. So it's just a little more sometimes mind consuming. Um, but I had one like two days ago and it was just where I was at that point where I was like, I'm just tired of it. Like, I don't want to have to take a shot every time I eat something or my blood sugars go high every time or every time I eat something, I have to go on a 10 minute walk to activate my muscles, to utilize my insulin, to uptake glucose. Like it's, it's just draining sometimes or to feel different ways, but it's crazy because it's like, you don't, I think I didn't realize that probably until like the last couple of years, really how much, but at the time it's like, you don't have, I mean, anybody can sit there and mope around and be upset all day, every day and complain, but it's like, it's, that's not going to change anything. It's not going to get you anywhere. Like there's, that's going to literally defeat the whole purpose of what you even have to deal with the disease for. Like for me, I just said this to Sabrina, we were walking and I was like, I, honestly would not have traded it at all. Like, yes, if there was a cure, oh, of course I would take that for not only my sake, but my family's sake for when my blood sugars are high and I'm acting like a total, you know what? Um, but I would never redo it because I mean, there's been so many pros and so many life experiences and, um, just like different lessons I've learned from it. And it's like made me how I am right now and my appreciation for different things, like gratitude towards life and just living a healthy life and for other people. Also like being able to recognize other people's um, diseases and how they struggle. Because I think a lot of times if somebody doesn't deal with anything medically or just not even medically, but anything tough, it's necessarily, they don't always think of somebody else's experience. Like, I wonder what they're going through. And I think it's allowed me to come from a more compassionate place when I hear somebody else's story, because I know I have no idea what it's like to be in their shoes. And they probably deal with something on a daily basis that I can never even imagine, but it's not, yeah, you kind of have to just face it head on. Like there was, I don't think I ever had a thought in my mind where it was like, I just not going to take my insulin today because it was like, if you don't take your insulin, like I'm just hurting my own body. It's not like, I just never even looked at it as a choice, which I think stemmed from my parents because they were just very, you know, hands-on and like, okay, we're just going to get through it. We're going to be positive and just deal with it. But I would say I can't, yeah, I don't think it's difficult because I can't even imagine just being like, I'm not going to do this or I'm just going to pretend I don't have it because it just wasn't really a thought in my mind. It was like, I had to be, you know, you have to be positive or like make the most of it because it's like, I wasn't going to just sit there and let my life kind of like go to, go to a waste because I wanted to pretend it didn't, I wasn't having to deal with it. Yeah. And I, you know, I, boy, you know, I said this early on that you were, you were one of the top 10 guests that I wanted to have on this podcast. And, and this is why, I mean, you are truly at the age of 20 years old, Samantha Parker, one of the most inspiring women I know, because I know people that face demotion at work, layoffs, breakup of a relationship, um, you know, things in their life that, you know, conflict with a coworker and they, they get so trapped in the what's wrong mentality or the negative pessimistic mentality and to, and to watch you develop such a healthy mental attitude around life and, and, 
find empathy and, and gratitude. And, you know, you talk about these behaviors and it's, it's interesting, right? Cause we don't always feel like what doing what's best for us. I mean, you know, it's sure. It'd be nice to sit and binge, binge watch Netflix and eat pizza and ice cream all day. I mean, that sounds like a great idea, but it's not what's in the best interest of my life. It's like people in recovery, you know, whether it's going to a meeting or working their program or calling their accountability person or doing the things that require, that are required of somebody to remain sober. It's like, you do those things because you get a great life. And even though you don't feel like it, you know, it's in your best interest. And I think that's where the most growth comes. And, you know, you, uh, I'll never forget. I want to say vividly remembering, I think we might've been at the, at the folds. We're at a birthday party. And I remember watching all the kids come in with their birthday cake. And, you know, I remember you having your, your kit, you know, your, your little black, it was yeah. a little black zipper bag of, of yeah. things that you needed and just how, mindful you were. And I mean, you must have been 14 or 15 at this point in, in, in your life and watching the discipline that you developed to just know what you needed to do and that, you know, whether other kids had to do it or not, whether there were other kids at the party that could eat cake differently than you could eat. You know, I just, I'll never forget how committed you were to your health and well-being. And, and you know, I, I want you to talk a little bit because I, you know, I have a very strong amount of sensitivity to what young women go through in their formative years. And there were a lot of side effects. I mean, you had to deal with a lot of the, you know, kind of side effects of some of the treatments that go along with, with diabetes. And as a developing young woman, you know, kind of who could be um, kind of influenced by other people's opinions. I mean, you know, there's, you had to face weight gain. You had to face, you know, some of these oh, things yeah. that, that, you know, you know, yes. and, 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 and talk to me about that because I mean, watching you walk through this to, to me is, has been inspirational and remarkable. And I think people will get as much out of this episode of overcome out loud as they will any episode because of what you stand for. But, you know, how was it as a young woman to face that, that, that those, those, circumstances and those side effects of what you had to do to stay healthy? So there's on it. It's pretty funny actually, because I was just thinking about it with one of my friends. We were talking about just like all the different, um, yeah, side effects. I guess you could say that come along with it. And I mean, first off a girl and dealing with a period is with diabetes is an absolute pain in the butt. <laughs> like it is probably top, the, like the worst thing having to deal with it. Um, the only, yeah, I mean, it's hard because hormones play a major role that I didn't even know at the time right. when I was younger and guys, guys got very lucky if you have diabetes with it because their hormones do not really contribute to it that much. Um, so, I mean, it could be some days I just, my blood sugar randomly goes high. Like a week ago I was in the three hundreds, which a normal blood sugar range is like 80 to 120. And I was in the three hundreds and I was just taking insulin, taking insulin. Nothing was happening because my hormones were up because I was going to start my period three days later. And in that case, it's like, you're just sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh, my brain is going to explode. Like I'm, I'm sitting at 300. I can't think I'm sweating. I don't feel good. And I can't get my blood sugar down, but I can't do anything about it because my hormones are like blocking the insulin. And so that even starting in middle school, like after eighth grade, when I got my period, I remember I was like, it was definitely, it was like a whole new ball game. I was like, oh, okay. So we just were in like T-ball and now I'm in like major late. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Like, welcome. Um, and so that was like a whole new ball game. And then even when I started going through high school, I started gaining weight. And when I was younger, I like probably, okay, before kindergarten, I loved my sweets. And so I always joke, I'm like, maybe that's why I was diagnosed because I was going to be like a little chunker when I'm older. Um, but I started slowly gaining weight in high school and I was like, what's going on? Because I danced all, all day long. I right. worked out nonstop. I'm like the biggest workout person because I just love it. So I was like, well, how am I not losing weight? Like I am not eating like a ton, this and this, this. Well, we obviously they didn't tell, no doctor will tell you like, oh, insulin causes weight gain. But when you're insulin resistant, which I was, um, it causes weight gain. And so I remember probably sophomore year, I was like, this is so bizarre. I was getting so frustrated, like couldn't understand what was going on. Um, and then junior year, I kind of had, it almost was like all the side effects of my, of my medical stuff hit. Like it was like probably 
<laughs> not the worst year because it was the best year in school and had so much fun with everybody. Um, but it was honestly like the worst year medically because I had alopecia areata, which is like hair loss in a circle. And so I remember like being at a football game and I like put my hair up and I'm like, guys, this is so weird. Like my scalp's so smooth. And somebody's like, um, you have a bald spot. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and they're like, yeah. And we go into the doctors and they're like, it's autoimmune. Um, like it's probably caused from the stress because I was so stressed out internally, Sure. but I never wanted to show it on the outside. So I'd be like, no, I'm fine. Like I am fine. But internally it was like a time bomb going off. Um, and so then even like that was one side effect. I had to go in every three months and get like a hundred little shots in that circle of my head. And I remember being like, oh my gosh, another thing to worry about. And then I went in and they were like, you have PCOS, um, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome, but I had it from like an adrenal type, which is my adrenal glands are just like overproducing cortisol. So it's causing my body to be insulin resistant, which then caused me to gain weight and to be stressed out and to be hormonally like irritated and, um, just like X, Y, Z, every factor in the book. I was like, Oh, wonderful. So then I found out that, and then I went on like a low carb diet, basically like lifestyle, because that was the only way my insulin would work. I would randomly, my blood sugar would randomly go high. And I was like, Oh my gosh, how is it randomly going high? Like I ate cheese. How is it raising? Like there is no sugar in cheese. And I ate so beyond healthy and work out. And I was like, okay, like what? So then I went on like a low carb diet and, um, that was working great. I basically was like almost like ketogenic diet, but I wasn't doing high fat, um, on purpose. And then I like slowly lost a bunch of weight. My blood sugars were good. But what people don't tell you is that's not a feasible diet really to last obviously for a while. So that was like a side effect that I was like, okay, now I'm going to try this. And then that was even a pain being at friends' houses or, um, you know, being at a birthday party or anything like going out to dinner. Um, and people are like, well, why don't you just eat this? Or like, I don't understand the big deal. Just have a little piece of cake. And I'm like, no, it's okay. And they're like, but I thought you said it doesn't, like you can just take insulin. And I'm like, yeah, but it's like, why am I going to hurt my body? Like if I'm not going to, if my blood sugar is going to go high from it, there's no purpose in eating it. Like, I'm sorry, but not eating the cake and not having high blood sugar is better than eating the cake and having high blood sugar. But people don't understand the alternative, especially because I always try to be positive. So they wouldn't really necessarily always understand, I guess, like the severity of it because I felt like I kind of tried to mask my friends from a lot of times the actually what I had to deal with because I didn't want them to be like, oh, poor, poor you, you know? So I would just be like, oh, it's fine. Like my blood sugar is just low. But in all reality inside, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm 50. I could pass out. But I'd be like, no, I just, I just need some sugar. Like it's okay. Um, and so I think that was like a big thing too, because when that was all hitting, that was junior year of high school. And then I fractured my back on top of it that year. And so I was like, oh, wow, this is just the perfect storm. Um, and so that was like, honestly, a pretty rough year because it was like everything hit and it was like diabetes isn't just one thing, a bunch of other things stem from it. So it was like, I remember being at doctor's appointment after doctor's appointment, this and that, and my fractured back and then weight gain. And then my numbers were high and then they're telling me I need to go on another pump and like every single thing you can imagine. And I was like, holy crap. And Sabrina was abroad at the time. So it was like, I just, my poor parents had to put up with me probably constantly complaining about something. Um, but it was like trying to still, when I like left home, put on like, you know, like that happy, like, woo, positive, optimistic. And cause that's like the only thing really that keeps you kind of going. Um, but that was like probably the toughest year I would say. And then senior year, I was able to like lose the weight from the keto, um, because my, the low carb, my insulin cut in half and I like figured out a whole system and this and that. And then it was like straight into college. Um, I mean, that was possible, but obviously it's difficult to at school because I'm studying a lot. I'm, I don't just have the time to, okay, I'm just going to go work out three times a day whenever my blood sugar is high, because that's not, you know, that's not just a typical way of life. Nobody always just has the luxury to do that, which is the one thing for COVID that I'm grateful for because I've been able to just work out whenever I need to. Um, but even like college, that was a whole nother ball game. Cause it was like, okay, having to figure out that. And, um, 
I finally this year found like the perfect or not perfect because there's never a such thing as perfect, but the most beneficial lifestyle for me, which is the whole food plant-based. Um, and it was from this program called mastering diabetes, but if they would have just, if any doctor could have just told me that from the start, I'm like, my life would have been so much easier starting in high school. But that's the thing is like, it's kind of like you almost have to figure it out for yourself and not that like doctors don't know, but it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, I kind of just have to, you're always on the lookout for your own health and you always have to be in control. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm conjuring up the image of your book, which is, you know, what they don't tell you about diabetes and how to survive it. I mean, I'm amazed at how many things that really at your young age, you had to, what they don't tell you is that you're going to get with, they don't tell you that you're good. They don't tell oh, you that. Yeah, you're, no. and, and so you're on this, this path of self-discovery, you know, at a young age and, you know, kind of medical discovery about how to manage this, this, this diagnosis and to manage this disease. while at the same time, trying to enjoy your youth. And, and I think one of the things that I don't want to, miss the opportunity to to acknowledge is that you said junior year was the hardest so you're hit with you know the 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 alopecia you're hit with the effects of being insulin um resistant, resistant. Yeah. you're 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 hit with the back the the, the fractured back i mean you know these things you know um under any normal st- circumstance one of these things you know would be enough to send somebody into a depression but here you are still going to school still i mean your alopecia little you know bald spot was noticed at a football game so you're still living your life and and where did you know samantha where where did kind of that that need to really kind of be transparent about what was really going on with you where did where did who who filled that role for you where were you able to unload some of that stuff and how although you were trying to present this kind of you know strong image to your friends so that you could shield them from kind of feeling bad for you where where did you get your your strength from was it mom and dad was it your close relationship with your sister you had to have somebody i think we all need somebody that we can tell the truth to who was that for you my family <laughs> they've had to put up with living hell with me i think because i will say if those of you who don't know somebody who's diabetic if your blood sugars are high you act like a you know what and i will say i definitely first off i apologize to them even right now because i have definitely took it out on them all the time when I'm high because I can't help it. Um, but they've been the best support system. And I know even there's times that, you know, we can get frustrated because they want to fix it because they try to give their two cents or, you know, input. And I'm like, the one thing is that even though I feel like I'm very strong willed with certain things, but that can also be negative and a con on my part and my personality, because then it sometimes I'm like, no, I know this, or I'm right. I know this. I know it. Like it's my body. I know, which then obviously can frustrate them though, because obviously there's times I'm not right. And I don't know. And so it can cause obviously major tiffs, but they are the most optimistic and supportive and will bend over backwards to do anything or even little things that I don't know. They like think or are saying or doing and like I like I'll never really know the extent but it's like they have definitely given me that strength and like in just support um and it's like it's crazy to think because I think a lot of times yeah again people just kind of assume like how it's only affected them but it's affected them way more I think than it's even affected me like you were saying earlier and if I didn't have them here, I think it would be very, very, very difficult because it's just, I mean, I, I have obviously like close friends too that are know the full extent um, and are there for me always dealing with it and have always been. Um, but it's nothing like your family when they just know how you are. And if you need to be quiet for a day because you're just not having it, you can be quiet. Or even if I don't want to hear it, and I don't want to talk about high blood sugars or like what I could have fixed. They're going to bring it up. And even though I might hate them in the moment for it, but I know that it's coming out of a caring and loving place. And it's hard because I think for me, one of the biggest things is um, before, obviously, you know, not being in college, you obviously, I relied a lot, a lot on my parents 
um, and my sister for it and would talk to them a lot about it, complain to them if I was moody, I'd be moody. Or if we wanted to be like, woo, my numbers are a hundred and let's celebrate. And it was like, woo. And nobody else, everybody else was like, wait, what, what does a hundred mean? I'm like, that means I'm perfect. <laughs> like, um, but it's funny because I think since college, um, when I'm at school, there was times that my blood sugar would go low in the middle of the night to 40. And 40 can mean a lot of different things and can be very scary because it can cause very, very, very um, serious side effects, like, or passing out, you know, lightheadedness, uh, shaky. But my mom, she, of course, would want me to wake her up usually or text her if I'm that low. But the hard thing is at school, I think I, because I, want to deal with it myself. And I don't want to put that barrier on them and like cause them to have to wake up in the middle of the night. I kind of would just be like, okay, I woke up at 40 these last three nights, but I'm just not going to say it because I don't want to make them worry even more, which is where that was like my fault. Um, and that was like hard for me because I didn't want to have to put that barrier on them. But no matter what, if I'm high or low, if I need to call them, they're always there and they're just always that support system. And so even if I think like, oh, well, this is like, I'm just not going to tell them because I don't want them to worry. But in the end, I'm like, they're my family and they're always just there for me no matter what. And are putting up with it 20 times more than I have to. Because even though I know that I'm dealing like obviously with it and the physical side effects and mental, but they're dealing with wanting to take it away and not have to have me worry about that. And also my constant moody swings with them or seeing me in pain from it or dealing with it and all sorts of different things. So they have honestly given me that strength. Um, And then also being at school and Pepperdine, I mean, I never drank at all in, um, high school. And this is just like a little side note, but I didn't at all ever. And that kind of was just important to me. Cause it was like, why am I going to hurt my body more with alcohol when I'm already dealing with diabetes? So it's like, I, like, I'm not going to eat a piece of cake cause I don't want to hurt my blood sugar. So why am I going to drink? At, right. Sure. And, um, that was something I think that was probably really difficult for them because even obviously in college, I mean, I was never I never was like a big partier, but like, obviously there's times that I was like, Oh, I'm going to have like two drinks here and there. And I can't even still, I mean, now I haven't drank in probably six months now because I kind of decided to just X that out of my life. Um, <laughs> just cause I don't see it helping at all or like being, I mean, there's no benefit to it. Um, but even that for them was like, I know that that was probably so scary, me being at school and them really not knowing to the extent and having to worry like, okay, well it's Friday and I don't know because God forbid anything happens and I'm completely out of it and they're not at school and my butchers go high or low. And so I think just constantly, I think about it on my behalf, but sometimes I have to like take a step back and realize to like them as my parent, how much worry they have. And even Sabrina, like knowing, oh, she's at school. I know that she's here. I hope she's okay right now or X, Y, Z again, because it's just, there's so many factors. And so I think I neglect sometimes to their constant worry, but I can't even imagine if I didn't have them as my support system, because it would be, I'd be in a little world of hurt, I think, but well, I, yeah. You know, let's let that, that is jumping out at me. It's actually literally jumping off the, the off my heart is, you know, the truth is not everybody diagnosed with your condition have that structure around them. You know, we all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different families. We all come from different walks of life. And, um, you know, and knowing how important it was for you to have, you know, that source of support, you know, while you were trying to, you know, be the good student and be the good friend. I mean, what would you, what would you tell uh, the young woman um, that's listening you know, who's facing something on her own that has to find, you know, those resources, you know, what, what kinds of things can, can people do where, you know, they may not have a, a, a Sherry and Ron and a, and a Sabrina mm-hmm. in their lives and, and as blessed as, as you are and as much of a support system as you've had um, to the extent that people don't have that in their lives. What are the, what are the, you know, the few things that you've drawn that you could suggest they draw on to, to help them through that um, as, as they kind of look for that support somewhere? So I would say one of the biggest things is being open and not trying to hide anything. It still shocks me because I 
have a really hard time grasping my head around the fact that people, I like don't even know where they correlate the word embarrassment and diabetes. I really actually cannot put the two together. Like I really don't get it. It's still really hard for me. Cause I'm like, I don't understand. It's not like you, it's not like an embarrassing thing. Like I'm like, it's literally a health thing. Like it's not, there's nothing embarrassing about it. So it's still hard for me to dawn on that people associate the two, but I know that that obviously is a thing and people deal with that. Um, do you think that but, comes from people's view of just we have this normal and anything outside of what we think everybody else deals with is going to be yeah, an embarrassment? Yeah, and yeah, I, I do it, too. I think that's why, but it's like really weird for me because I'm right. Like, I'm like I don't get it. I'm like what's what's embarrassing? Like it's not like you like. Thank you. I don't know. I, I just really don't understand. So it's that's the biggest thing I think is being open. Like I. I mean, I know this is probably not proper etiquette to people who are afraid of needles, but I take a shot whenever, wherever, and I do not care. <laughs> I'm like, I will whip out my needle and I put on my, or I whip out the pen, I put on my needle and I take the shot or I finger prick. And if people are like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's my insulin. Like I don't, it doesn't dawn on me to be like, I need to excuse myself. I'm going to go to the bathroom and take a shot. I mean, even when I had a pump, I would take the pump out or I would like, change my pump in front of people. Like I just, that was never like a, oh, I need to like mask this or I need to hide it because I was like, what's there to hide? Like I remember going to the bathroom at, I think I was actually, I was out to dinner somewhere. I'm going to, I'm blinking. Oh, I think I was at the grill in Westlake. And I remember walking in and this girl was taking a shot in the bathroom. And I was like, that is so strange because I mean, if I'm going to the bathroom anyways and I have my purse with me, then I'll be like, oh, well, if I'm going to the bathroom, I'll just take the shot really quick. But like I take it out at dinner all the time or in a classroom. I remember I would do it all the time. I never hesitated. But that's the biggest thing is like to just be open. because open. Nobody cares. And if they do care, then they kind of suck. Sorry. <laughs> but like I, I'm like, they, that's a crappy person. Like I cannot imagine if my friends were like, you should really go in the bathroom and do that. I'd be like, well, then we're not friends because – yeah, that just should not even be a, I mean, it's life. Like that's what life is. It's not a perfect view on every, like nobody lives in a perfect world. And if somebody says they do, they definitely do not. There's something that they deal with. Um, and also, I mean, I have an account on my Instagram that's a diabetes account. And I originally made it just for like diabetes, not even awareness, but kind of just like, oh, maybe I can just like if people ha ask for like a tip on something, I can be like help to them or anything. Cause I would like, look like, I wonder what other people are doing or like when their blood sugars go high, what their res like solution is to it. Um, and honestly, I've actually met like quite a few people through my Instagram and I'm not like somebody who's like big social media person. Like, Ooh, I like, you know, I'm not really like that, but this has been cool. Cause it's like another kind of community of people that I've ended up like exchanging phone numbers and now we'll like text about things. Or I'm like, Hey, by the way, if you like, have you ever experienced, and I like tell them my problem and then they'll kind of give me their solution. And I'm like, okay, awesome. Thank you. And so that's been like a big support because even though your family is like your number one, but it can be hard because no matter what, even though they deal with give like helping you with your decisions and me explaining, but they still don't really like know, know internally what it feels like, or like what your blood sugars are. So it's nice to have somebody else who does, because it's like, you can just say something and they get it. And I'm like, yes, I can just explain it. And so where, uh, can, where can people follow you? Because I think, you know, in my opinion, mm -hmm. what I find is that community is important. You know, it's, you yeah. know, for, for like-minded people that identify with, you know, it's, it's like me, the, the community around recovery that I've built, you know, cause it's, it's, you know, you're, there's so many, and there's so many similarities between what we face every day, like going to dinner and say, Hey, you haven't had a drink in eight years. Why can't you just have a glass of wine? It's like, you know, well, because, you know, I'll, I'll break out in handcuffs. I mean, I'll end up in Vegas. I'll be, you know, yeah. I, I just, I, because it'll, because it'll kill me, you know, and, and whether it kills me when I have the first drink or whether it would kill you to have the first piece of cake over time, those behaviors don't serve me. And so I don't engage in them, but the, the identity of, of like-minded people that suffer you are dealing with, and I don't want to use the term suffer. I want to deal, use the word dealing, dealing with and overcoming the same challenges is really helpful to have that community. So where, what is the, what's the, the place people can follow your diabetes Instagram? So mine is, um, it's T one D and then underscore Sammy S A M I. And that's on Instagram. But I, I use it honestly as like a source for, I try to give like any opinions I have or like tips I have, but I also use it to gain insight from a lot of other people. Sure. Um, and How it's important because I think there's some, 
What were you going to say? Sorry. <laughs> How important is that to you? I mean, I, I, I hear this kind of service, being of service to others and being helpful to others kind of, and, and now hearing about, you know, this, this, this future of yours in the LMFT world. Um, is that something that helps you to deal with this being of service to other people? Yeah, I think it really does. Cause it's like, I've gained so much. I, I feel like I've gone through every single like lifestyle diet there is with this thing. And so I'm like, I'm just going to give you my honest opinion. And I know there's some people who deal with it and just take the insulin. They eat pizza, they eat cake, they do all those. But in the end, like obviously too, that's not a healthy lifestyle for anybody. So it's, it's hard for me too. Cause I think people who do do that and great, if their insulin works, like I wish I was them. <laughs> I wish I could just take insulin and it worked sometimes if I was eating pasta, like, wow, that would be amazing. But in all reality, like that's not for, that doesn't work for everybody. And also I'm like, why would I not treat my body like a temple kind of if like, and feed it healthily and help my own self. Like no matter what, even if somebody's insulin works and they eat cake and pizza, if somebody's insulin works and they eat vegetables and like healthy carbohydrates and fruit, I'm like, that's still better for your health. And like dealing with diabetes are so many long-term effects. Right. And so especially even if your blood sugars are good, why hurt your body more so than if you knew, okay, this lifestyle diet, because I don't like to say diet, but that's lifestyle regimen for food is like the best option and is also going to help you live a longer and happily lifestyle. So it's like, for me, that's just, I just think it's so intriguing and I like want to gain other people's insight and views and be able to share mine too. But it is, yeah, that's kind of why for me doing the LMFT has been definitely on my radar because I'm like, I would love to be able to help people who don't know or don't have a support system or do want to just complain and not feel like they're, because for me, I think it's hard because I don't want to complain always to my family because I know it hurts them and I see them tear up and I don't want to cause them more stress, but you know that it's hard to also internalize. Right. Yeah. And so I even, I go to a therapist because I'm like, for me, I need to be able to release it without them having like not pity, but feeling like, Oh, and making them feel bad for me. So it's like nice to have that support system because my therapist is like, I I joke, but he's like one of my best friends. I'm like, woo, because if I didn't have him, I'm like, Oh, I have to like release it without having, without feeling like I feel bad for telling them because I don't want to make them stress out about me. So I think that's kind of why I wanted to be like a service to others in that way, just because I've learned so much from a sports medicine standpoint, even with exercise and how it affects your body from a mental standpoint with diabetes a physical activity standpoint with diabetes, nutrition of it, and just being positive too for like not only yourself, but the people around you and not always making it a, you know, poor, poor me act kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's important. I think, you know, I'm, I'm giving a, a, a talk on Monday about optimism and leadership and, and the, the, the effects of positivity um, and being optimistic are, you know, very well documented in research as it relates to our health and well-being, And especially when you talk about the effects of stress, you know, I think in, 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 in most people's lives, stress can be a, a, a detrimental effect. And, and if you're dealing with hormones and a, and a physiological condition, mm-hmm. and your stress levels get elevated, you know, whether it's cortisol or adrenaline or things that are working against yeah. you, you've got to have a way to manage stress. And just as you've you know, live this full life because you continue to dance, you continue to go to school, you continue to socialize with your friends and you do it the way that you need to do it. But you've dealt with this, you've had these outlets. So people, whether it's family, whether it's a close friend, whether it's a therapist, I mean, you know, releasing that stress and having a place to, in a healthy way, acknowledge that, Hey, I'm having a hard day. It doesn't mean that, that it's not, you know, I don't have to judge myself for having a, you know, what'd you call it? A, A diabetes blowout? Oh yeah. Diabetes burnout. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I mean, look, it's a real thing, right? I mean, it's like we, we get to this point where life just seems like, you know, I mean, I just can't, it just seems too much. But what I hear is, you know, a commitment to a set of behaviors that are consistent with the life you want. And at the end of the day, no matter how you feel, you're finding this sense of resilience. You know, you, you epitomize, I think the characteristics of the kind of people that are thriving in this world because you're, you're not in scarcity or in abundance. You're not focused on what you don't have. You're focused on what you can have. Um, and, and lastly, I want to, you know, before we, before we wrap up, um, you used a term earlier, which, you know, I want to, I want to hear more about, which is gratitude. I think, you know, gratitude, 
um, the benefits of gratitude. I had a, a little um, talk that I, I gave about uh, the, the mental conditioning exercise of, of Gaia, which is gratitude, affirmation, and intention, starting every day with what I'm grateful for, affirmations about who I am, not who I'm not, and some intentions about what I'm going to do during the day. Um, and I think we back up the, the gratitude, affirmations, and intention with Goya, which is get off your ass, which is another thing that you epitomize, which is the, no matter how you feel, you know, you're going to engage in these behaviors that are consistent with the life that you do want. How big a, a part does gratitude play in that for you? It's fun. It's really interesting to hear such a young woman who's faced as much as you have continue to focus on gratitude. For me, it's been, it plays a huge role because I mean, I, it's like, yes, it sucks. It's a disease. It sucks. Obviously everybody deals with things that suck, but I, I think for me, I remember being at children's hospital and I still will vividly have this memory. Um, whatever, seven hours later of leaving there, I remember we were walking downstairs, um, back out to the car and I had all my books and like my big bag with like, you know, they give you all those like diabetes books, like children's stories. I'm like, okay, I'm 12. I'm almost 13, but thank you. Um, and we are like walking out and I'm like, yeah, like just kind of like reflecting like, yeah, that was a lot, but you know, it's okay. We'll get through it. And we walk by the radiology center and it's all the little kids sitting in the little indoor playground waiting at the um, radiology to get cat scans or x-rays or um like go through radiation and i'm like my mom was like you know what center that is right and i was like i i didn't know because i couldn't see the sign and i was like i was like what what's the i was like what is that for and she's like the they were her and my dad were like those are all the little kids that are in the radiology center waiting to go in to either see if they have cancer have cancer and i remember i just i almost broke down because i was yeah. like that's like that's not a manageable disease like at all and so it's like that for me is like gratitude in a sense of this is manageable and Sabrina just said that to me this morning because we were talking about it um we were walking to Starbucks and she's like you know I said out of any disease I think diabetes is the most fun one <laughs> and I was like but and um I was like it's because it's it's manageable I mean like that's all like yeah it sucks and there's times that I'm like ugh, but it's I can always like it's in my hands it's in my control uh, for the most part, other than hormones, but sure. it's something that like, I'm grateful that I at least am able to have my support system. I'm grateful that it's just diabetes. I'm not, you know, I'm not incompetent of doing certain things or I'm not incapable of going on a walk. I'm grateful. I can have, my parents have been able to provide a very, um, like, diabetes luxurious lifestyle I like to say because I've they've never been like oh like I mean all these sensors and different things are you have like I'm very lucky I've been able to grasp those and get those from them and it's a big thing because you just have to be grateful for the life you do have like you can't sit around and think about yeah what you don't have I mean I that's just there's so many worse things in life and it's it's kind of funny because I I think um, I always say this to some of my friends that their parents, um, like if their parents are divorced or they're going through a divorce and my friend's parents are right now. And I'm like, I, people well, some of my friends will be like, you know, di dealing with diabetes, like that's probably, I can't even imagine. Like, I don't know how you deal with it. Like, that's just insane. And I'm like, I don't know how they deal with a like going through watching their parents go through divorce. Cause that to me is like, probably that is 20 times harder than dealing with diabetes. And it's funny because it's how everybody views different things. Right. But I'm like, I, so I'm so thankful that this is my struggle I'm dealing with. And like to have a support system, to have my family just always being there, to have family, friends around me, to have you guys. I mean, you guys have always been there for me and been like a second family and always have welcomed me in your home. And my like really good friends down at school and just always well, what do you need us to do? What, what can we do? Are trying like thinking of me or different little things. And it's one of those things that you just have to know, like, okay, I can get up today. I can go on a walk. I can go on a hike. I have two legs. I have a voice I can see and I can hear and I can make taste my food. And I have all my family around me. And it's like, that's the biggest thing that keeps you going. Cause you're like, can't stop. Like you have to be optimistic. It's like, so I always say, if somebody asked me, like, would you take a cure for it? I'm like, yes. But if they said, would you redo it? I'm like, no. 
Hell no. Because <laughs> it's made it, you who you are. And, oh, and yeah, who 100%. you are and who you are is remarkable. You you remain um an inspiration to me, Samantha. You remain one of my heroes. Um I think the world is gonna hear a lot more out of you. Uh, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for your friendship and for coming on this morning and sharing your story of overcoming. It's been, in my opinion, one of the most prolific, inspirational messages that we've heard. And I'm just really thankful for you and wish you and the Parker clan a very Merry Christmas and just know how much I love you. Thank you so much too, for having me on. And you honestly, I know I keep saying that, but you're... (laughs) My parents and I always talk about how lucky we are to have you in our life because you've been one of the biggest role models to me and one of the biggest supporters and inspiring people I know. So well, side by side, we'll keep doing this. I love you, sweetie. Yes, I love you too. 